Kraken Fancast, presented by Silver City Brewery. The podcast for Seattle Kraken fans, by Seattle Kraken fans. Release the Kraken! Hi everyone and welcome to episode number 17 of Kraken Fancast, brought to you by Silver City Brewery. I'm your host Chris Porter, I'll be joined momentarily by my colleagues Jim Cockrell and Nathan Gunderson for our regular hockey talk discussion. We'll also have our own uh, colleague Luke Chelios on later. This time for an edition of his Chelios chat, uh, telling the story, a uh, great story of Chris Boudreau, a local former soldier who had a good fortune of having the gift of funds raised so he could uh, attend the Seattle Kraken game. So that's coming up a little later. Uh, folks, just remember, if, in case you're uh, new to our podcast, Kraken Fancast releases episodes approximately every two weeks with occasional added special editions here and there. On our episodes, we discuss all subject matter about the National Hockey League's newest team, the Seattle Kraken. On our program, we share news about the team, analyze their play, and go over various team news. We'll also at times present some interviews, and uh, and plus we aim to go into some different subject matter you might not hear on other Kraken-related podcasts. I'd like to start uh, the show, uh, as I ha- always try to, uh, <laughs> always aim to. Uh, to acknowledge our very, very kind and generous sponsors, uh, particularly our presenting sponsor, Silver City Brewery. Located in Bremerton, with their beer sold throughout the state of Washington and beyond, beer for one, beer for all. Silver City is an all-inclusive Northwest craft beer adventure in every pint. Also, big thanks to the Angry Beaver, Seattle's number one hockey-themed bar located in the Greenwood neighborhood of Seattle, And also big thanks to Mojito, serving the best Latin American and Cuban food in the Seattle area. Check them out at MojitoSeattle.com. Also, before we get to our little discussion, I also want to uh, thank all of you who attended our recent watch party. We do some watch parties here and there, uh, and we've done two now. Most recently, we did one at Silver City Brewery over in Bremerton. Uh, it was a midweek game. Uh, there was a lot of COVID skittishness uh, that certainly cut into our past crowd numbers, but we had some loyal fans join us and it was great seeing them all. So thanks uh, as always to our good buddy, Keith Armstrong for putting that together and for everybody who joined us. Uh, also a little sidelight, big congrats to our colleague, Luke Chelios and his recent marriage to his wife, Leslie. Uh, they had a nice honeymoon time in Hawaii recently uh, and we send both of them kudos and cheers for that. Okay, now getting on to hockey. Since our last episode release, oh boy, it it was just going down downhill further than it had gone downhill before uh, in this in this relatively young season. Uh, they lost to Colorado four to three in Colorado. They lost to Dallas in Dallas five to two. Lost to St. Louis another road game. Two to one. That one was a little closer. That one was that looked good. Chris Drieger and goal on that one, but they didn't score enough to win. And then uh, lost to Los Angeles at home shortly after three to one. Drieger also in that game. Um, so, you know, nine game losing streak. Oh my God. This is just, you know, yeah, it's fun to watch hockey, but can they win a game here? Ah, but they did shortly after, uh, or rather shortly before this recording here. Uh, the Kraken defeated the Chicago Blackhawks here at home, their first overtime win, their first shootout win, and it was a win that broke that long losing streak. 
can I get an amen for that, folks? Oh my God. It was, it was, and we're going to talk about this more. It was kind of a cathartic game to watch because uh, for, for some of us, it was the first game we got to see in a while in person. And, um, and, and it was just a really all around great win. Uh, certain stars of the game who we'll talk about in a little bit, but it was, uh, it, it was one of those games that shows some hope. But is this hope going to keep on going? Can we get a winning streak going? We'll see, and we'll talk about that. As of our recording, also, we have four upcoming home games, one coming up against San Jose, mm-hmm. St. Louis, Florida, and finally Nashville before they go out on the road again. Sort of a theme of a lot of losses, but great that they broke that in dramatic fashion. Chris Drieger, uh, who I mentioned, was playing uh, very decently recently, and you're thinking, well, gee, maybe a starting job should go to this man. Well, not quite, you know, just like he had some uh, injuries in the past. Uh, This isn't an injury per se, but he was put on the latest guy to be put on COVID protocol. Oh, my God. So we're not going to see Chris for a number of days. I don't know how long, uh, you know, some guys bounce back uh, on the sixth day. Some guys are out for a couple of weeks. We'll wait and see what happens with Chris. Jaden Schwartz is still out with an injury and not expected to be back until mid-February at the earliest. And uh, Morgan Geeky uh, had an upper body injury, uh, but he is expected to be back relatively soon. We don't know which game, but it, it sounds like uh, we'll see him before the end of the month. So Jim and Nathan, we had a great game today, uh, as you know, the recording day here against Chicago. That was great, but there wasn't a whole lot of change leading up to it since our previous episode. There were more disappointing losses uh, in my mind, many in the fan base and the press and the broadcast teams are keeping a sunny outlook and express, you know, to me, many excuses for the team. But I think it's safe to say our group here is a, a little more on the cranky side about this. Uh, it's just the way we're built here, folks. We don't, you know, we are big fans of the band, but uh, of, the, of the team rather, but we like to grumble too. So, uh, you know, I don't have, uh, usually a little later in the program, I'll, I'll bring up emails from the deep, emails that we get uh, or, or social media messages we get from our followers. Uh, I don't have that this week because the questions we do get are the same ones we asked amongst ourselves every few days. What is wrong with this team and what could fix it? Did we see some things fixed in the Chicago game? Jim, why don't you start a little bit? Nathan, please chime in. What do we just see the last two weeks here? Well, it was kind of a key game tonight, so I'll start from there and back up. I don't want to review the game quite yet, but 10 was a significant number tonight because if we would have lost tonight, that would have been 10 in a row and would have been a huge uh, psyche going on and some internal mullings about the team. That was already in question anyway. You know, team meetings, what have you, player-only type things. Thankfully, they won. It almost puts it a little bit of a halt, but that doesn't take away the problems that preceded the nine games. Uh, leading up to that, you know, the nine losses, which is huge. Even before the nine games falter there, we were already in some ruts in and out of winning and losing. And, you know, talk was already going around. So when these nine games hit, it it really brought it down hard. And and people were just talking all over the place between friends at work or just the internet chitter chatter, you know, what's going on. You know, it wasn't good. And you started looking at what, what is it? You know, okay, we've got some significant injuries to some big time players. You know, you got Tanev down for the whole year. He's a character, heart, and soul guy. His numbers were coming back to normalcy, um, but he's a leader any way you look at it. Then you got the Schwartzy, four to six weeks. You know, as a guy's third in points. He's huge. And then recently, Geeky, and his with his wrist injury, which is still a little bit of a mystery. 
but he was finally starting to roll more so than any point of the season. So that was nice. Plus his uh, face-off percentage ratio is, is really great. So that's a huge loss. Like I said, winning tonight is, is a huge, almost like a re, you know, slate here, but still with it, can we carry it on? I don't know. You know, some, a lot of people were doubting Hacks' system, including me. I've studied the crap out of it. And, you know, it, it's a high risk system that he runs and he's been running it for a long time. He ran it in college and he's running it everywhere he's been since with Philly and even as the assistant. And it's a, it's a high risk system that demands 100% efficiency. And if you fail in any bit of it, 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 it rears its ugly head really quick. In a, in a nutshell, um, Jim, what makes it high risk? You said it well, defensively? So it's defense by offense uh, on the four check to begin with. It's a, it's a very aggressive four check. It's not like a typical one, three, one, which is most common where you plug up the neutral ice. A typical one, three, one would be a soft, moderate four check, handle it in the neutral zone with your three men. And then one, one safety valve with Haxtell. It's two to three man four check, which is, it's a cycle four check. And you're relying on the battles one deep and on the boards and your defensemen tend to play a little higher between the red and the, between the blue and the red line, a little soft cushion to take anything that gets spoiled from the boards out. Problem is if you get burned with an outlet pass right away on that aggressive forecheck, all of a sudden you have an odd man rush. And at that point, defensemen are supposed to, by his nature of his teachings and coaching to close the gap. But if the gaps an odd man rush. It's it's hard to do. You tend to yeah, back heard, up more. I've heard I've heard those three words a whole lot this year. The odd man rush. I feel yeah. Like every week so, we hear that. That's what I mean. When it's working, it's great. But the problem is, is during all of these losing streaks and mistake games and oh the you know goals in the first whatever five minutes or the quick back to backs. You know they, the other teams study this stuff. They know what to do. But it's a high risk deal. When it works, it's great. You win battles, you, you muck it up and you get goals. But uh, when you lose it, it's odd man rush and your gap's huge. And that's when you see those errant plays, you know, and, and then they, the other team capitalizes. So it's a real hard system to, to change if you've never worked it before. So that's part of the problem. Well, let me add, add something that you just sort of touched on too or a little earlier was you mentioned that um, the, the psychology, you know, I, I brought this up too, you know, in, in our in our talks in passing, just, uh, I mean, no matter what sport you're in, when you just keep going losing and losing and losing, uh, I mean, obviously it's a physical game, but it's a mental game too. That has to hit these guys. Totally. I mean, you could see it in their face. It, whether you're in person or watching on TV, you can see it in their faces. I, you know, who I could see it a lot in the face was Adam Larson. For some reason, the camera would focus in on him a lot after a, a goal scored upon or whatever. And he was just, you know, he's so down and, and I don't blame him. I mean, those guys took that to the room. It doesn't matter. You can have all your coaches trying to pump you up and it, it just doesn't matter. And it's, it's depressing. So that's why tonight was so huge. I know it's, it's one win. But man, just everything that went on in that win tonight, and like I said, I don't want to get into it until we all get into this conversation on that win. But that's what I got written down is you know it was injuries. It was getting close to you know what's going on in that room. You know, has he lost the room? Personally, I think you know you look at tonight and there's a win. But I wanted to say he almost has. I don't know if the guys have all bought in or if they'll ever buy into that system. You know, they got to turn it around, and obviously tonight helped. Nathan, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, you know, I know last last conversation we had, we were really down on Groob, understandably so. Then, you know, 
Rodriguez got COVID, so we've got Groove for the next few days. I'm gonna I'm gonna leave Grubauer out of my mouth tonight. Okay, fair enough. Uh, uh, there's there's other players on the team that you know could improve, but going back to what Jim was saying about the odd man rushes, yeah, that's that's when you notice that the other teams are getting breakaways, or there's you know two against one, sometimes three against one or three against two. That's the bread and butter of film for everybody that watches how we perform. My question, actually, Jim, do you ever notice, and I've said this before, that when Chris Drieger's in the net, the team seems different. It's it's a different fluid. Is Hackstall changing his game at all based upon who's in the net? Because it seems different all around. You know, that is an incredibly great question uh, that <laughs> is so hard to answer because this is commonly brought up in other teams that go through the same thing. It's happened with my favorite teams in the past where your number one starter gets into a little bit of a struggle or definitely isn't playing his game for a streak. Backup comes in. All of a sudden, he pulls a couple wins. He looks good. You'll put the numbers side by side. Even though the backup tenor is not playing as many games, his numbers might look better. And people start to ask the exact same question. In our case, it has nothing to do with, uh, say, puck handling skills of goaltender versus goaltender, which sometimes really can change a game. But they're not that different. In fact, I think uh, probably Grubauer plays the puck more than Dreger from behind the net. But either neither of them are known as playing goaltender, you know, puck handling goaltenders. Um, so I can we can throw that away. The the deal is um, Grubauer's game has not been on. Everybody knows it. He knows it. We've talked about it. We've at nauseum, right? Um, people have finally accepted that. It's just a bummer. It's a rut. It's whatever. Dreger comes in, wins a couple. And by the way, when he did come in, it was his crease to lose. It was like silent starter. He's our silent starter no matter what. Um, we're going give to give him a go because we're struggling on the other side of things. He goes in, plays a game. He goes in, plays another game. He's pulling a 2.00 in two games on losses. Those numbers, no matter what, are better than Dreger's. It was basically his crease. He was silently the starting goaltender. Then here comes COVID. Now Gru comes back. Gru has probably one of his best games of the season tonight. So that's great for his confidence, obviously, right? Oh, so, yeah. Yeah. So I think that's great. But yeah, no, there's, they're not playing any. It's just weird how that happens sometimes, you know? I mean, when, here's the deal. When you're playing bad for a long time, if you play good for once, things will look really good. And then if you can build off that for even another game, then that's when we start asking questions like that. Exactly. So, yeah. I don't you know. want to take anything, you know, away from Chris Drieger either. I mean, the game no. against the Kings, I was going around with a couple of uh, our listeners on Facebook, just, just, chit-chatting and one of the things uh they said even though they got the loss he wears it well he he takes it on the chin he 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 was doing a great job in my opinion it didn't go our way but he didn't he didn't look bad to me he looked really solid I know it was a three to one loss but it's just one of those things where there's a big difference between losing and it doesn't appear that you're trying as hard as we know you can, or you're putting it all out there and other things are just countering in, you know, and I'm not going to get down about 
you know, a bunch of losses like we have before. I'm really going to take this win today as just, can we get a couple more? We've got a decent homestand coming up, you know, we're almost in the middle of, but I think that if we, if I can get two more out of this homestand, I would be thrilled. I don't know. What do you think, Chris? That would, that would be something to really build on. And I agree with you about Drieger. Uh, I mean, one, one of those LA goals uh, was an empty net or at the uh, near the end. And, uh, you know, he let two goals in and they were fair goals uh, to let in. I thought um, team just didn't score. <laughs> so that was the other thing, you know, I mean, they could, how many, you know, I rattled off all those scores earlier, you know, five to two, you know, there, there were these kind of high goal scoring games and, but wasn't on the LA one. That was where they really could have used the, you know, they could have won that game four to two uh, arguably, you know, uh, on that, but it, you know, wasn't to be, it was, you know, they'd show, this is the thing that we've seen all the time. And this is why I don't go along with a lot of the people who are like, Oh, give them a break. It's an expansion team. They never do well and blah, blah, blah. And I get why you say that, but you know what? The rules are so different. No, I didn't expect this team to be Vegas. I've said it a half dozen times, I'll keep saying <laughs> it. but I expected them to be better than at least have another 12, 14 points on the, on the standings. I see them maybe kind of a, you know, the playoff bubble team because of two things of who they've got, you know, on paper on that roster and two, what we've seen, you know, them beating some really good teams at various points of the year for them having some really good games and they're close games. And then the shoe drops in the third period or whatever, but we've like, you, you know, they can do it kind of thing. And Jim, to your point about high risk and, you know, the odd rushes where it's an odd rush and you get the lumbering Jamie Oleksiak. And I like Jamie. He's, he's great in certain parts of the game, but not catching up to a fast forward. That's not his forte. And when you see that and it's like, oh God, here we go again. Or here we go again with the, you know, goal in the first five minutes. Or here we go. Hey, we just got a goal and we're ahead. Oh, never mind. It's tied. We just said saw that over and over and over again. And so can we see some refreshment here? And I hope Grube, because we, you know, this is a bounce back for him for confidence. Maybe he's had some something a little bit tweaked and we don't know about it, but it's not so bad enough to put him on IR. You never know what really is going on unless you're there for every practice and you're you're right behind the guy. But you know, hopefully this can if he because Drieger should already have confidence. I agree with you, Nathan. I think he's shown. He's comfortable. Uh, if he can just stop being injured or catch COVID or something, you know, he has some consistency here and he's going to be in a good headspace group. If he can get a little bit of headspace and these guys, you know, cause you know, McCann like tonight, you know, we can get a little more into the, the nuts and bolts of this game. I mean, Ryan Donato, you guys know, I love Donato love, you know, McCann, you know, those, those two of those guys in tandem, I'd probably say those are like my, three favorite guys just because of what they consistently bring to the team, even if they're not the ones scoring the goals, just, just love all that they do out there. But Ryan uh, getting a goal and then also getting one of the uh, uh, shootout goals. And and I have to say just on a little tangent, uh, something I found really touching about Ryan that I I want everybody to know this story. Uh, This was something that was uh, well, it was, treated by Bradley Fusco, but uh, it was retreated by JT Brown. Um, uh, I'm at uh, Ryan's, Ryan Donato's game with M Cave. So that's Emily Cave. And I'll tell you all who that is in a moment. Uh, and uh, Ryan and Colby were very close, referring to her Colby Cave. So it was uh, 
uh, a hockey player who played for the Bruins and the Oilers who uh, died of a, a brain bleed, brain, brain hemorrhage, uh, very sadly, very young guy back in 2020. Colby was, you know, close with a lot of Bruins players uh, and, uh, you know, with Ryan Donato, they were, they were teammates and good friends. So um, when uh, here on the tweet, it said, when the Kraken played in Edmonton to start the year, Emily gifted Ryan with one of Colby's game-worn ties to bring him luck and safety this season. Ryan scored today after wearing Colby's tie to the game, and Emily is here to witness it. I am so grateful. So what a what a nice story right there. And I saw the presser afterward you know ryan was so psyched that em was there and kind of felt like the spirit of colby was with him as well so that's that's just a good great great story um so yeah between you know the whole game you know group looking solid i mean everybody did you know everybody i i felt like you know defensively you know larson and susie out there i mean i just felt all the guys um were just playing really solidly that chicago team's not great but they're not awful either, you know, and, you know, they're going to give you a good game, even though they're not really great in the standings, but they're, they're one of those teams. I really wish just for, I don't know, bragging purposes or whatever, I'm not expecting the Kraken in the playoffs, but if the Kraken could catch up to a couple more teams, which would include Chicago, at least in the standings, I'd feel a little bit better for the future next year. But uh, anyway, lots of games left, uh, you know, but uh, it was just, and the electric, everybody was so psyched. We got to see the team dog, Davy Jones. You know, I, I, I thought, was this is going to be the team mascot? They brought out, a, for those that didn't see it, you know, they brought out a, they have a team dog now, this this little sort of a pup who I think, I, I think is going to be like a sort of a, a, a an assistant dog, essentially, later for somebody. I, I don't know, a service dog. I mean, I, I don't know the whole story. But anyway, they brought out the dog and it was really cool. And there's this cool little video, which you can, find on the Seattle Kraken site. So uh, there was that and, you know, Delvin Lamar trio. I, I dig that. I dig the groovy uh, Hammond B3. Uh, uh, totally. Uh, uh, instrumental music and stuff in there, you know, and uh, you know, it was just, it was a really good vibe and it was just, we were just so psyched to be there. I mean, I missed a, the Calgary game because I was stuck on the East coast because of uh, flight cancellations. We've had games that were called off and oh, I finally get to be at this game and man, and it was, and it was, Dramatic right to the end. Yes. Uh, I was there tonight. Um, I ran into you a little bit, but uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> I had tickets for this. These aren't my regular game seats. I've had a uh, high tide pass. I purchased these on back in the summer. And this was, uh, I brought my wife to this one. She's actually a Chicago fan. Not so much that she was actually rooting for him tonight, but we had tickets up way high in the two, 215 section. And I've never sitting up that high yet. Man, that's getting up there. Uh, the benefits of being up there are the pregame show is much better to view what's going on on the ice uh, with the lights and all. Yeah, so they've got a new pregame show. That's another new thing that's happened the last yeah. couple of games there with the big you know, tentacle yeah. in the middle there and all. You'll, you'll pretty, have to check yeah, that out on video, folks, if you've missed it's it. It's a beauty. It's pretty spectacular. And the uh, uh, the first night they did it, they I think they had their... Uh, timing off a little bit because the boys were coming out on the ice before the piece the tentacle piece dropped all the way and i saw alexia cruising out there between the red and the blue i thought he's going to clip it with his head (laughs) now we're going to have a spinal uh, tap moment (laughs) right (laughs) so they got the timing down better tonight for sure um but it it is good for studying Haxel's system i'll tell you that from that high and the game (laughs) seems so slow up there though i'm telling you 
it, another thing that's kind of cool is the reflection of sound up there is pretty amazing. I could hear the call outs of players uh, on the bench and between each other and all the stick work. I can hear much greater way up there than down low where we sit normally, Chris. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, just the way the sound's bouncing the, and uh, that, the that, reflection. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. And uh, so, but tonight was a huge game. You know, it was, it was that magic 10 number if they would have lost, which is huge in the mind. So there was a psyche going on. I decided to wear, I had my wife with me. I decided to wear my white tan since that's my lucky home Jersey. And I hadn't been able to wear it since pre-injury. So that was before December 18th. And of course I put it on and, and mentioned that. And she's like, Oh, you and your stupid little games, you know? <laughs> um, <laughs> and I said, Hey, knock it off anyway. And then of course, Don Scoy. Oh, put yeah, him of in, all guys. Put, <laughs> put him in on put him in on the shootout. I'm thinking, okay, there's something behind this. He just wants him to break out of this shell big time. And wouldn't you know it, man, the gamble worked. The, the team celebration on the ice was spectacular. I was watching it on TV, and it's funny you say that because their faces and the way they were reacting to that win was like they just made it to the playoffs. Oh, totally. And I get that. I mean, it's been a while since they've had anything to celebrate. But damn, I mean, it was, I want to see more of it. I want to see that. And Don Squay finally gets a goal. I mean, you know, it was a really great Cheer it up. Celebrate it. Don't give a damn. Something to get on the other side of the net for Pete's sake. Well, I'm going to do some research, but I'm going to go ahead and say that's the biggest goal he's ever scored in his life. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not even going to bet money on it. I already believe you. (laughs) Yeah. Well, certainly in recent times, that's for sure. Going back to what you were saying, Jim, about uh, sitting up in the the 200 level. Uh, I got tickets a while back from this one guy I know named Jim Cockrell. And I'm going to be, I think, in what, 224 or something like that. And I was curious as to how the view of the game was going to be from up there and how it was going to sound. So with this new pregame show and being able to hear what's actually going on, because the acoustics are phenomenal. I've never, right. I've, I've been to a lot of arenas and stadiums and I've never heard anything like it. Uh, it's, it's refreshing to know that, you know, and you say it was, it appeared as the pace of the game was a little slower, which okay. for me, I kind of appreciate that. Okay. Let me back it up by first of all saying I was on the press box side, uh, which has a limit, has a, some limitation to it because it cuts your view off from the, um, the lower bowl about 50%. You're still seeing all the game, but it takes the feel out of the game and you don't really see the lower parts of the scoreboard either. You're on the other side and you're also on a corner pitch. So you're more open feel. So it'll be better. Okay. Okay. So it'll be better, but you'll be able to study the game perfectly. And the reason I said slower, that first period was a slower feel me out type of game. Wasn't it Chris? For sure. It was absolutely. Yeah. I mean, no score. And there was just, um, back and forth a little bit very even and uh yeah they seem yeah. very yeah it was uh i mean the passing of the of the crack and i remember we used to you know i'm looking at you know the bright sides things i remember complaining about the passing earlier in the year even when they were winning some more games that's been a lot more crisp in, in my mind yeah uh i got to watch it a little bit like you jim i wasn't in our regular seats our, our friends were but uh I was over on uh, section 22. So uh, shoot one side for the crack and be kind of on the corner and was above one of the um, uh, entrances. 
uh, corner entrances. So that was an interesting perspective because nobody's in front of me and and I could, in a weird way, just because of that angle, I could kind of see what was going on a little bit better from than our section 16 seats, a little bit better. And it was just, it was different angles. So it's interesting. It's So I bring that up and just the, because it's kind of fun to have a situation where you can look at the game from different points of the, the arena throughout the year. If you get a chance to do that, that just, I think this brings you a little different perspective or more perspectives of a game that way. Somewhere along the line, I would love to watch, you know, even though they're like, oh, nosebleeds, not necessarily. You're just going to get another um, feel for the game and that experience uh, that I think is uh, certainly worthy. And that's really interesting what you said about the sound. So, um, you know, and I'm sure a little that's done for because you know the concerts that they're having and they you know they really care about the acoustics but everybody's yelling and screaming down that lower bowl and just kind of the way the pitch is that's not coming up so much and so you can hear the guys yelling at each other that's that's really cool that was bizarre i mean you could hear the stick action uh the board action and everything because it's just shooting straight up you know and then reflecting right off the roof down on the baffles yeah. yeah, I've talked to a couple of season ticket holders, uh, even a couple of our listeners and stuff that they're happy with, you know, I don't I don't call them nosebleeds anymore, just because, you know, sometimes that's, that's the price point somebody's at, and they're in there, you know, and they're, they're enjoying their seats, but they say they like it a lot. Again, they've been to other arenas. Uh, one guy uh, grew up in Anaheim. He's been to countless Ducks games and he said, but this just looks and sounds way better here. And he's happy with his seats and he's four rows from the back, like the touching concrete. <laughs> so yeah, but he well, enjoys it. He loves it. Well, and that's the thing about this arena. Um, you know, nosebleeds is, is an old term. I don't know how many decades old. And I, I think, you know, that was started by those old arenas, the old Madison Square Garden, the old Boston Garden, where I had seen some games. And oh my God, if you were really, I mean, they really were, it was such a pitch. It was so up there. There were like steel beams in the way. If you were far enough up, you could only see two thirds of the rink. And, and you really wouldn't get a nosebleed. And you really would get a nosebleed. And then plus you have that nosebleed, plus of all the cigarette smoke that they used to allow in the uh, back then. And it wasn't acoustically built for, for a concert. So add all of that in. Yeah, you were getting a nosebleed. But even like some of the newer arenas, yeah, there's no bad seat in the house. I mean, people say that all the time. And it's at the Climate Pledge. And it really is true. Um, so coming up, guys, uh, as I touched on earlier, we've got San Jose. On the 20th, our, our, our episode will probably come out a little after that one. But then uh, St. Louis, Florida, and Nashville. Uh, they beat Florida earlier. Uh, granted, granted, it was way earlier in the season, but got some some uh, confidence against them. It was a close game against St. Louis. I think that's winnable. They did beat San Jose earlier uh, and, you know, play well against Nashville. So, I mean, these are games that they've, uh, they, they've shown good things against those teams in the past. So, um, you know, hopefully they can take this and move it forward any any particular things uh, about any of those teams guys uh, that that's notable no i mean on paper obviously you want to go oof but uh like you just said we have played well against these clubs we're at home and you know let's not forget you would think chicago you had said you know they're not the greatest right now whatever they they're they were on a four-game roll before this game tonight out, out sure. west yeah. Or on, on the road. So that they were doing okay. I mean, so it was a takedown any way you look at it tonight. Those games coming up, they're going to be tough. I'm looking forward to it. It's probably my my biggest personal game run for a while before the total February shutdown, in, unless they reschedule those those COVID cancellation games. 
Which games are these that you're going to be at? Oh, God. I I just know a lot. The only one I sacrificed was the um, Florida Florida game. game. Okay. Yeah. I'll be at the San San Jose and Florida game. Yeah. I won't be at the San Jose, but I'll be at the others. I'm just looking forward to um, the feel like tonight was so refreshing because we've all been going through this um, together. This was almost like one win, especially the way it went about with the Don Skoy situation. And, you know, it was refreshing that we didn't get scored on until about halfway through the game almost. That was That's always a plus. And, you know, we were able to answer back reasonably quick and then took it to OT and then took it to the shootout. And Donskoy, Mr. Donskoy got that. You know, that's just a huge thing. It's almost like worth 10 points tonight, that win. You know, it's like 10 <laughs> it, was, it really I is. wish it could be, but it was. At least, I know. At least psychologically, it was, you know, it was quite uplifting. So that's hopefully I mean. the boys that's- can uh, – Take it further and and stay, you know, the guys who are out uh, get better soon. And, um, you know, they can make a little run like we're seeing some of these teams like Chicago is is a good example of that or some, you know, or L.A., you know, started off slow. And they've some of those teams that started off slow have been coming back uh, in, in recent weeks. Hey, uh, speaking of Bruins, we were just talking about uh, Ryan Donato, of course, former Bruin and, and the Colby Cave story, also a Bruin. Uh the Kraken today, just a few hours ago, uh, before we uh, are recording day today, uh, picked up a Bruin on waivers. Carson Kuhlman, uh, forward with the with the Bruins. Uh, I I was kind of thrown off. I didn't even know he was put on waivers. Uh, what do you think of this, Jim? I mean, uh, Carson's shown some some good good skill at times. He hasn't gotten a ton of playing time, but uh, where's he going to fit in here? No, it's, you know, I was surprised too, because I didn't see the news till I got home because it was released and we were going into the game or whatever. Um, so it's interesting because, I mean, I, I like Andy Bruin, whether he struggles or not, but Carson had a nice, he's a four-year pro, you know, he's out of Minnesota, he's 26 years old. Um, he, he had a night nice, when he was with the Bruins, he had some shiny moments. He was a fourth liner for the most part. Um, a smaller frame, 5'11", like 185, but he's a gritty guy in the corners. Um, he, he was, he was kind of known for getting some big goals here and there, you know, when the team needed him. Um, he got moved around uh, some back and forth between Providence. At one time, he was actually up on the second line, which was kind of surprising. He had a little run there that he's doing pretty well, but his numbers have never been something to write home about. He's got 75 games under his belt. He's only got 15 points, but he's a centerman, natural centerman. Um, unless they're looking at fourth line and taxi squad rotation, since we've been having problems, uh, you know, to work out with like uh, Alexander True back and forth in a situation, or maybe just see, you know, pick up a, a fourth line center and then maybe you can work a deal with somebody else or whatever. Who knows? You know, come true. Well, I'm network. thinking because, I mean, he did play for Jay Leach. Uh, yes. Tracking assistant coach who was the uh, Providence Bruins coach for a while. So Carlson was one of his centermen um, back in 2018-19 season. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm figuring Jay was like probably thinking, okay, this is a guy I know and could fit in here in, his, in the system. So uh yeah, it's it's an interesting pickup. Um, you know, obviously they're dealing with some little bit of injuries, and and yeah, maybe they think that uh, they'd rather stick with Carson than who they've been bringing up and down from uh, Charlotte. Yeah. So that's kind of what I'm thinking. It may make a piece available uh, come deadline time too, or or some something. You know, you just never know. 
And you know what? He played in the WCHA, so uh, old hacks might have seen him roll through a lot with Minnesota Duluth when he was coaching. Oh, true. And liked what he saw. I don't know. Yeah, be interesting to see. So, all right. Well, guys, thanks so much for all your insights. Uh, before we get to our segment with Luke Chelios, I want to take a moment to tell you about our Patreon page. Patreon is a membership platform that makes it easy for creators to get funding. Putting this podcast on takes a lot of time and finances for things like equipment. So sponsorship and Patreon funding helps us keep doing what we're doing. Uh, for patrons, it's a great way to join their favorite uh, creators community, help with funding, and get some perks along the way. So you can go to patreon.com slash crackandfancast or crackandfancast.com slash patreon and make your way there. Uh, you can start with $5 a month or even more. There are different tiers, so the more you donate to support, the more perks you can get. Um, and uh, we you know, really appreciate it. Some perks include uh, things like... Uh, getting your uh, emails read on our program getting shouts out uh, getting some uh, special uh, uh, recordings that we do all kinds of things and then also we are eventually going to get some merch opportunities I know all we have is our stickers right now but we do plan to uh, get some more things so uh, that'll be offered up to uh, Patreon patrons as well and uh, we thank all of those who have uh, signed up so far and we appreciate everyone's consideration for it and we want to give a big shout out to our nudist, newest, nudist, what? Say that again. A big shout out to our newest patron on Patreon, Marianne Gunderson, who may or may not be related to Nathan. It is a mystery, but we thank Marianne for her support and generosity, whether or not Nathan is her, her favorite person on this podcast or not. So anyway, cheers to Marianne. All right. Lucellios, Lucellios chat this time. Christopher Drove. Take it away. Luke Chelios here with another edition of Chelios Chats. Today we have a very special guest, a major Kraken hockey fan with quite a story. Welcome, Chris, Chris Boudreau from Port Orchard. How are you doing today? Great. Great. Recently, about 100 fans raised over $2,600 for some U.S. military veterans, including Chris Boudreau across the water to attend a Kraken hockey game. And we raised $2,600 through the Kraken fan cast and a few other groups of Kraken hockey fans. So tell us about your day on December 18th when you attended the Climate Pledge Arena. Well, I got up, got all my Kraken gear on to start the morning, and then I went to a coffee hour. I was really anxious, excited, trying to pass the time until I got on the bus. And then the time came, and they showed up early. Got me to the ferry early. Everything went off without a hitch to get me to the right. climate pledge. Well, the fans are excited to hear your story, Chris. And you and two other veterans and your daughter, Elle, from uh, Bellingham, were able to get together, Section 7. The Edmonton Oilers and Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, probably the two best players in the league, came to Seattle for Chris Boudreau and a few of the veterans to, to join us in a crowd of 17,000 fans. What a game it was. Tell us a little bit about the game and who you're cheering for, which players you love. Well, I was cheering for the Kraken, of course, but I picked that game because I wanted to see Dreisaitl and McDavid in action. I know we won the game before when they were here. That was actually the Hockey Fights Cancer Night, and my dad passed. 
of colon cancer in 2015. So he was definitely in the house that night. Also, when the puck dropped, there was a fight within five or 10 minutes. And we scored on that. It wasn't a power play. It was four on four. But we scored the next two goals and I was pumped. Chris Boudreaux is an amazing man. Tell us a little bit about your military story growing up um, out east. And uh, we'll go from there with some more questions and find out more about our special guest, Chris Boudreaux, today. I was born in northern Vermont near the border of Canada. That's where my family's from. Graduated high school in 91. Joined the Navy in 90. I signed for delayed entry for Desert Storm. Graduated in June of 91. Went off to boot camp in August 91. Went to my ship in 92 after I graduated from A school in Florida. All this time, I follow hockey. I, I haven't played hockey. I didn't play hockey growing up. We were a skiing family. My dad was ski patrol. Uh, Chris, you grew up... In Vermont, your dad played some hockey, and there's a famous hockey player from out there. Tell us a few more hockey stories today. Yeah, my dad grew up in St. Albans, Vermont, uh, Bells Free Academy, St. Albans, and I went to Bells Free Academy, Fairfax, which was the next town over. He grew up uh, in the 50s, played hockey for the Bob Whites, and that's the same high school that Phenom, Vermont Phenom, first drafted by the first Vermont draftee of the NHL, John LeClaire. Nice. And now, Chris, you want to talk a little bit about what we do in the future. Starting January 1st, we're going to launch a new GoFund campaign and bring in several of our uh, VIPs and people around North America to not only help uh, some disabled veterans, but a few special other people get to some crack and hockey. So tell us a bit about your vision and uh, what you would like to see going forward. And we're going to help you with it. Okay. Well, my vision, being a disabled veteran, being in this situation, seeing what how hard it is to do stuff, I see how there is brotherhood in sports, also in the military. But when we sign on the dotted line, we're serving our country. You know, during the Super Bowl, they show the film of, in th during Thanksgiving, they show the film of uh, service members overseas, what have you. They're watching the game and they <laughs> cheer. But once we get out, it's like we're not forgotten, but we're kind of put to the side. And especially with this, there's a new generation of veteran now with OIF. Operation Iraqi Freedom and Operation Enduring Freedom, Afghanistan, and Desert Storm, Desert Shield, where these veterans are basically 55 and under, who there's a high rate of suicide, 22 a day. There's a, a nonprofit or an organization that recognizes that, and there's bracelets and T-shirts for that. And what I want to see is that cities that have sports come together and get a fleet, maybe two or three shuttle vans that hold three to five veterans that can be strapped in with wheelchairs or other 
fans who are ADA who need assistance and also carry the PTSD veterans who are, who are ambulatory, but the mental health is a real thing. I've been through it. I, I, I go through it every day. I know what they're feeling. And to get this fleet of vehicles together and have each team that's in the city, like say Seattle or Chicago or Boston that have multi sports, like I said, there's brotherhood in sports that they co-op and share these vehicles and have PR people and AD, people who are ADA qualified to set us up so we get there safe. And they drive us within 20 miles of the stadium to a game. That's going to change someone's life, possibly. It's going to show that somebody cares. You know, thank you for your service. Yeah, that's all great and everything. It's a great phrase, but there needs to be action behind the words. Chris, from the bottom of the heart, the top of my heart, I sent you today warm wishes and a big hug to welcome you to as a special guest, special friend. And I know from after this event, I've had several fans contact me saying they want to do this bigger and better next time. So, Chris, we're going to try and get you to another hockey game in 2022 and attend. And we're going to work on that transportation idea with Rob Johnson. Thanks today for joining us, Chris, sharing your tough story. We send you love and greetings into 2022. Once again, Kraken FanCast fans, Jellio says, keep your, keep your stick in the air and celebrate those goals. All right. Thanks very much, Luke. Folks, please remember, if you haven't already done so, please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Our Twitter handle is at CastKraken. Uh, please subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, and uh, remember, you can always catch Kraken Bandcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and our own website, which we highly encourage you to check out, and that's KrakenFanCast.com. We'll be back later this month to discuss more Kraken game happenings, among other topics. Thanks very much, as always, to our producer, Jay Middleton, for Jim Cockrell, Nathan Gunderson, and Luke Chelios. We thank you very much for tuning in. And as always, we say, go, go Kraken! Kraken.